0: I was trusting a lot of other people with my son. You know, and um, and to me, I think recruiting kind of falls along the same lines. You know what I mean? Where having nice facilities is cool. Rich tradition is cool. Whatever is great about your program, cool. But to me, it will always be about the people behind the logo and who's gonna look after your son, who's gonna be mindful of him when, when he's going through a tough time, who's gonna call him out on his BS and hold him accountable. Who's gonna be his family while he's away from family. I know the day that I stopped getting wedding invites from former players, I, I know that I've got to change some things up.
1: Hello and welcome back or welcome to Up Close in Personnel with Alex Brown i'm your host alex brown director of recruiting with rice university and it's my job to educate and empower those involved in the football personnel and recruiting spaces if you're a player coach recruiter scout whatever this is the spot to be thank you for tuning in thank you for listening uh if you haven't already please hit that subscribe button like share retweet it send it out to people that you know this week's show uh long long overdue um had a had a nice, quick, short, sweet vacation to Florida and uh, just in time before fall camp next month. And uh, football's right around the corner. So as of this recording, 50 days away from football and 49 when we post tomorrow. And before I kick it over to the guest and talk about who I'm bringing on this week, um, you know, quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, War Room is the all-in-one platform that will take your recruiting, team management, whether you're a college football team, a pro football team, or a high school team. Uh, they've got team communications, compliance, depth charts, recruiting boards. You name it, they've got it. They've got customizable solutions. Um, if you want to find out more about War Room and all that they can do for you as a program, please go to www.collegewarroom.com or www.prepwarroom.com for a free demo today. Hit up Moose Bingham, and uh, his cell is actually 801-808-7754. Moose is awesome. He's somebody who's actually worked in college football. He's worked at the high school level, somebody that that knows what it's about. So definitely give them a shout. Check them out. Now to this week's guest. I had such an awesome time interviewing my good friend, Jake Longy, player personnel analyst with the University of Texas. Taking pride in his ability to evaluate and connect with families, Jake wears a lot of hats for the UT recruiting department. From leading their junior college recruiting efforts to recruiting polys to recruiting players all across the country, um, cutting up film, you know, handling visits, you name it, he's done it. He's had a hand in everything, and uh, just brings such a good perspective to all the up and coming recruiters um, that are listening to this show. He's somebody that, that has paid his dues from back at Texas State to now at UT. Um, it goes beyond the logo with him. And, and that's something that we really honed in on is what is your value? And determining that and really taking pride in what you're good at and having a humble attitude, a servant mindset. And if you couldn't tell from the way that, that he talks about his process and how he's gotten to where he's he's gotten. Um, he is just such a grateful person. And, and the thing that he kept saying was this attitude of gratitude. Um, it just beams humility, beams um, others first, team guy, just really, really uh, a blessing to have him on the show. And it becomes tougher and tougher as you climb the ranks to, to keep your family first. And this is somebody that has shown and has proven that you can put your family first and still accomplish all of your goals professionally, personally, in in your career. So with all that being said, I will now kick it over to my conversation with Jake Longy. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um... Jake, welcome to the show. What's up, Alex? (laughs) I know uh, you probably have more of an appreciation for O.V. meals than than anybody in the world. So uh, how was the return of recruiting for you guys uh, this last month of June? Man, it was it was super busy, but awesome. You know, like
0: I think I'm going into my 13th year of college football. I'd never seen a June like that ever. You know where you've got ovs you got unofficials you've got camps but um all going on at the same time but everyone's spread thin but you're still trying to make it happen you know um especially after not seeing recruits for and their families for about a year and a half so man it was it was super crazy man but um
1: loved every bit of it how many did y'all i mean maybe not how many kids did you ov but how many like different weekends or midweek visits did y'all wind up doing because we didn't do any except for our signees we ov'd them when we moved them in Oh, that's but, right. so like we'll do all of our ovs for like the 22 class in december but um i know you guys get in early and try to get those guys visited tripped locked in committed um, right. and it's paying off i mean you guys are top five in the country right now which is awesome but oh, how, how many different, um, I guess, OV events did y'all wind up doing? Every weekend. Holy cow. Yeah. Kidding. I think there were a couple of uh, midweeks as well.
0: But, uh, yeah, it, it was every weekend. And then some of those weekends we had camps going on too. So um, every, so, what,
1: so what does that look like for you? Like, um, obviously, y'all got an entire team and Brandon and, and Billy and all the different people that are, are directors and you're on-campus recruiting people. But like where do you fit into the equation and, and what was your role during those kind of crossovers where everybody spread thin? Gotcha.
0: So, um, my boss, Billy, he, he wanted me strictly with, uh, official visits. And so, um, and then, you know, obviously during the week I'd help out with, uh, unofficials, you know, and, and the, and the daily grind, but, um, yeah, I was, I was strictly with,
1: um, the official visits, um, during those weekends. Yeah. And like, it was kind of crazy for you, too, because just this entire offseason um, going through a coaching change, obviously, that's not easy. And, right. and you've dealt with that before, back when you're at Texas State. And We'll get into that later. But sure. um, what do you think allowed you to stay on staff with Sark and those guys?
0: Well, I'd like to say value, you know, um, you know, I, I think Sark, he's. I think at the junior college level at El Camino and then later on at BYU, he played with Polynesians. And so um, he understood the, the value of uh, being able to tap into those pipelines. Um, and I think everywhere he's been, he's, he's had access to Polynesian players, whether it was UW, USC, um, even at the Falcons, he had a couple of guys playing for him. And then, of course, at Bama with, uh, with Tua, and they've got a, they've got a Polynesian uh, tight end over there um, from Utah as well. Um, so I, I'd like to save value, um, you know, with, with that, um, plus I'm, I've got some experience, you know, that as far as the recruiting department's concerned, I'm one of the older guys, which is kind of a trip for me because I, I guess sometimes I don't realize how fast time flies by. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, kind of being like one of the older guys and people calling me unc or OG around the office, man, that's a trip to me, man you know? So, but it's also a reminder though, too, to make sure that I stay on my toes and
1: I don't turn into that dinosaur that doesn't want to learn new tricks. The, the word value, I think people don't truly understand. And it. it's like, what do you bring to the table that isn't being covered? You know, like, what right. do you bring to the table? That's unique.
0: Right. And
1: I I do, Like, I've seen it to where we've tried to get in on guys that are Polynesian and we don't have necessarily the connections, or right. somebody with that background to like relate to them. And we've kind of lost out I got, when I was at Houston, um, right. when I've been here at Rice, we finally got two this year. Um, and it's kind of like, when you get one in the boat, you can it helps you so much more in connecting and, and kind of building that kind of family and that like trust, right? right. right. Um, and I don't know if I'm the best, I'm not the best person to speak on, on recruiting polys, but I wanted to ask you, Like, what's the difference in recruiting a poly kid versus, you know, an American because it is different. Um, but I think people have a lot of hard time, uh, putting that into perspective and like actually, you know, getting those guys on their campus if they, if they haven't done it before. So like for somebody who hasn't recruited that heavily, like what is the main difference?
0: Uh, I think it's really just in the details, you know what I mean? Um, the family's having a comfort level with you um, you know like like for me um when if if a polynesian is on my board uh, or if i'm targeting him um you know one thing that i'm gonna do is i'm gonna figure out who his parents are i'm gonna figure out who his grandparents are i'm gonna figure out what villages they're from i'm gonna figure out which warrior bloodlines they come from you know and so and a lot of these kids um, you know they're they might be second generation Americans, so a lot of them might not actually know a whole lot about their own history and culture and their village and what their ancestry means to the kingdom. Right and so part of my job is to empower them and teach them about who they are, you know what I mean And so that's a that's kind of a different angle that I take um, and probably because I, I enjoy. Uh, I, I love genealogy I, I love ancest- uh ancestry and my my guys over at b y u they clown me they call me ancestry.com um uh, because you know i'm always because i know I know my bloodlines um I'm not one of those guys that that claims everybody as my cousin like like a lot of people do um yeah. i I only claim my bloodline i'm not, I'm not claiming anything that's not mine um but i I have big families on both sides of of um of my of my parents and um my dad always taught me to know who I am. Um, know who he is and and know the people that love us so um re- so really it's a lot of it's in the details man some of it is just simply being able to enunciate their names you know I mean that's that's huge and so I've, I've kind of become the uh, uh, the enunciation guy where I have to you know teach our staff um how to enunci- enunciate the the polynesian names but if you can if you can read or speak Spanish you're fine because we enunciate our vowels the same A-E-O-U.
1: Yeah. So so if you can be Spanish, you're good. And I've noticed you, so you said, I don't claim everyone. I I pay respect to like my cousins and stuff. And I saw you post something. I don't know if it was like a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. um, And somebody asked you about the haka and you're like, yeah, "Yeah, that's, that's my poly cousins, the Maori people of. The the Maori uh, people. Maori. Yeah. Okay. Different. Yeah. Those are the natives of New Zealand. Okay. So. The haka is New Zealand. Um, What are the what are the main misconceptions about the haka? Like I was going to ask you this way later, but I mean we're here, so why not? No, you're good.
0: You're good. Um, You know what? Uh, The the haka is is native to um, the Maori people of of New Zealand, right? Or the correct name, aotearoa. And to me, I don't think it's my place to to take something that belongs to my cousin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to respect that. And, you know, like the Tongans, we have our own type of war chants, um, like the Sipitao. um, The Samoans have their own. And so, you know, I'm, I'd like to leave the haka alone. I think it belongs to them. You know, it's like, you know, like if you were my cousin and you let me borrow your truck, I would never lend it out to somebody else. You know what I mean? Because that's yours. And if you let me borrow it, sure. That's one thing, but like, it's always going to be yours. And so it's not my place to give that away. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, and I hate for you to let me borrow your truck and you look outside the window and i let someone else drive it. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's everyone has their own, um, war chance war dances, things like that. And so, um, you know, kind of like my high school, Trinity high school, um, they started out doing the Haka and it was the one that was specific to the all blacks, I think. Um, the the rugby uh the rugby team in new zealand um yeah. but then eventually they transitioned into like uh sipitao which is um tongan specific but then they started to add uh trinity culture into the verbiage which which kind of made it their own right kind of made it um, unique yeah yeah and, and, and it's specific to to tongan and specific to trinity however end of the day it still belongs to the Tongan people and so if someone from Trinity, maybe non-Polynesian takes it out to their university where they play it and tries to teach it, I think that's wrong. I think that's your stay at Trinity. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and let them have that um, and just respect it that way. Um, you know, but kind of going back to the, you know, the difference between um, recruiting Polynesians and non-Polynesians, I think we probably have more similarities than, than differences. So I tell a lot of people, um, imagine like um, a small town that's built on relationship, hard work God and education pick up that that small town drop it in the middle of the ocean that's who we are yeah you know what I mean yeah and so um, so I mean really it's really it's about respect you know what I mean and and you know polynesians they don't they don't expect like college staffs to be fluent in their culture and their language. Um, they just want to go somewhere where they know that, that their culture is respected.
1: Yeah. And like at least appreciate it. And like you take yeah. the time to like try to learn it. Because one of the first things that I learned was just the massive, massive uh, kind of not maybe like a gap. But like you can't you can't group them all into one. Right? right. Because Tongan culture is completely different to Samoan. And then so I was just doing the Google, you know, deep dive. and just to see the difference between samoa and then america samoa right and like the history between all that i didn't i couldn't even get to tongan right and and so like i that's that's to me where it's like amazing that like there's not more education or awareness for that culture with how many are very successful in the sport but also just successful like citizens of America. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: um, uh, I forget which, um, TV show it was, it might've been 60 minutes. Um, they highlighted Samoans maybe about 10 years ago and they had a stat on there that said that, uh, Samoans are almost 60 times more likely to play in the NFL than any other ethnicity. Wow. Right. And so if you factor that into like, um, like a recruiting strategy, right. Um, like, like, you shouldn't hire a guy just because he's Polynesian. You know, you should hire him because um, he's a good evaluator. He's good with people and all the other things that comes with with um, the recruiting side. But if he's Polynesian, that's a bonus. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, um, and so, you know, I know maybe about 10 years ago, there were only maybe like 50,000 Tongans in the United States. And so, like, I can make the world small real quick. With, yeah. with my connections and where I'm from, because like the village that my dad is from, there's only about 300 people. And so I'm gonna be related to all of them, right? And so if they don't wanna marry a cousin, they have to move to another village and marry someone else. And so once that happens, that connects me to that village as well. You know right. what I mean? Right. So that's why I wanna know who their parents are and who their grandparents are. Um, that's how we make the world smaller. And um, And because I'm good with genealogy,
1: I can figure out if I'm related to someone or not real quick. So, like when you say when, when somebody says he made me feel like family, like in some cases, y'all actually are. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like my um my uh my first experience with college football
0: um at Texas State, you know, when uh, I ended up talking to Coach Jay Wash, right? Yeah. They brought me in to help out with recruiting, and he takes me into the war room and he goes, "Yeah, we're recruiting this uh, this Samoan kid from College San Mateo." And I, I look at the name. I said, Oh, he's he's not someone. He goes, No, he is. He's he's got the long Troy Palomalu hair and everything. I said, No, he's not someone. He goes, No, he his coach said he's Samoan. I said, Coach, he's not. He goes, How do you know? I said, That's my cousin. Right. And so um he goes, uh, man, he's he's the top guy on our board. You think you would get him down for an OV? I said, I can try. So I call my other cousin that I'm connected to as a and this guy played at AM. And I said, Missy. I need Latu's number. Man, he gives me Latu's number. We connected Latu. And at the time he had um, Oregon State, Wazoo, San Jose State, and schools like that. In um, Texas State, we were FCS at the time. And he had, I think, two or three visits left. And just because we were family and I was able to, to connect with him and let him know that um, I was someone that he could trust, um, man, he, he said he'd come down um, to Texas State for an OV. And I was like, man, I'm on to something, man. You know, because I was able to well, the thing was, maybe the next week, um, Bailiff and his staff left for Rice, so he was never able to to take an OV here. Um, but the fact that um he had committed to come down for an OV and he was gonna give us a chance to go up against Oregon State, I kind of thought,
1: okay, this might be my initial value um in college football. Like for you, like you you have this like incredibly long winding journey. Right? right. And the thing that I I didn't know until I started doing my own homework because we got connected um, through like Adrian Mays, Clayton Barnes, really? some guys you worked yeah. with at Texas State that, that right. I had connections with. Right. And I kept hearing about, hey, there's this guy who like he's committed to his family, but he like he's working from like 4 p.m. till like midnight every single right. day. Right. And, and like this guy wants it. He's really good. And so we got connected and obviously, you know, six years down the line, we're still in touch, but I had no idea you were like a 32 year old college student (laughs) and, and, and that, and that, you know, like you had things that, that came up along your journey that you put family first and then yourself second. And you said, you know what, like I listened to an interview with you and you said something to the extent of like, you know, college football will be there for me my family is where I need to be now. So like, maybe can we go back, like back in time, like (laughs) you're growing up, um, what made family like number one priority for you? And and did that start with dad? Cause like, I've seen you talk about, you know, I want to, I'm trying to make my dad proud. Like, I hope my daughter, you know, all the accomplishments she's having right now, I I hope this is making my dad proud. And I I know that's very like integral to you as a person, but like, what did family mean to you growing up? Man, um, that's how we survived. You know, we we didn't have much. Um,
0: my parents were immigrants. Um, my dad came here on an academic scholarship, but um, ended up walking away from school to, to provide for, uh, for my mom and my older sister. Um, and so, you know, being raised by a village, um, you know, sometimes we lived with... Uh, other relatives. Um, oftentimes they bring food over or we do the same. Um, you know, we, growing up in Ulis, you know, we actually lived in these uh, low income apartments and a, a bunch of minorities lived there. Right. Nigerians, um, Liberians, the Laos people, Vietnamese, um, you know, and then, uh, then the Tongans. Right. Mm. And So um, the apartment complex basically became like a small little Tongan village um and i grew up around relatives and other polynesian families who would help like feed each other you know what i mean and and we that also meant we had instant friends right we could go out and play with cousins or or people that were like family um we had we had places to to go to if our parents weren't home um families to take care of us um i remember growing up um you know, and we'd work together. We did landscaping together, and um, had some cousins. At night, they cleaned Bennigan's. You know that restaurant, and so yeah. so that's what I do on the weekends. I I'd, I'd go um, with them and help them clean um, clean Benigans, uh during during the graveyard shift, and then try to finish real quick so we could start playing video games at, at the restaurant. Wow. Yeah. So so wait. Fa- so
1: the,
0: the yeah no. Keep going. Keep going. No Sorry. no. So so family is like how we survive. You know and so um, I was raised um, I was born in Utah so um, I, I lived there first before I came here but I was raised by my aunt and um, and she had wanted to adopt me as well um, but my mom wouldn't let her but we moved to Texas and man I, I probably spent more time at my uncle's and my aunt's house, house uh, houses than I did my own on the weekends.
1: Why, why was that like uh, with your aunt and uncle what, what was different about them? Oh, it was a bunch of uncles and aunts. Um, it, it was really just trust, you
0: know, like I, I didn't have a curfew growing up. So if I told my dad that I was going to be at my cousin's house, my dad could trust that. He'd know that, you know, even if I didn't come back home until Sunday, like I'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, so so really it was about trust and he knew that I'd be safe. Wow. Yeah. So I'd be, I'd be 13 and when I, whenever I left school um, on Friday morning, sometimes I won't come back till Sunday night. But as long as, as long as as long as I was with my cousins, I, I was good. Wow. Yeah, because so you, he knew that because he, my dad knew. Like if I screwed up at, at my uncle's house, then my uncle would beat the crap out of me
1: too. So <laughs>
0: you know, it was it was, it was it, my uncles were no different than my dad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and were a lot of your cousins football players, and that's why that you gravitated towards that. Like, when did when did the the love of football kind of happen for you? You know, I was I was actually like the the skinny Polynesian kid growing up.
0: Right. So uh, and my dad didn't want me to play football. So I gravitated towards basketball while the rest of my cousins were were playing football. Right. Um, and it was something that I'd always wanted to do, but I, I was never really built for it. You know, um, I mean, I'm a fat guy now, but I graduated. I was a buck sixty five. Really? You know, yeah. And I'm like three ten. <laughs> but uh, but, you know, growing up in Utah, um, I can't ever remember football being a topic. Right. And then I move here and I'm in the second or third grade. And my first Friday at at an elementary school um, in Texas, everybody's dressed up in red and black. Right. And I'm like, why is everyone dressed the same? And um, one of my first friends that I made here in Texas, she goes, oh, uh, because we're going to the Trinity game on Friday tonight. I'm like, what's Trinity? So it's the high school. Right. And and I actually didn't go to a, a high school game maybe until like two years later, man. I couldn't believe it. And I, I couldn't believe there's probably about twelve thousand people there, you know. And I, I remember on Mondays, that's what everybody talked about. And I'm, I'm like second or third grade. And I'm like, man, you guys are talking about a high school game. You know, so that that was a culture shock for me. I, I mean, in Utah, growing up with the Polynesians, I always knew about rugby, but never, and I was never really around football. So, really, all that kind of started in Texas. Um, but then, um, I think it was um, the 1984 BYU team, right? They were they were the national champs that year, and so um, there were um, a good number of Polynesians on that team, and so that was the team that we followed, right? And so Sikahema, he was the first Tongan um, to play in the NFL. Um, I think that was 1987. And so <clears throat> he gave like Tongan guys like myself an opportunities to see myself on TV, you know, so, so that, so I've, I've always kind of looked up to those guys
1: that, um, that I was able to, to watch on TV. Yeah. And didn't you have like a cousin that was a really like productive player for BYU? I don't know if it was Harvey, uh... Yeah. there's there's Harvey Unga. Um
0: yeah. his grandmother's a Lomney. There's Harvey Lamney. He's he's with the Jets right now, I think, or oh, Patriots. Um I think Harvey L- L- Longie is the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. He's he was a dude. He he was an all American at Bingham High School. Um I think he had signed with Utah to play running back, then he went on a mission and came back and went to BYU and played inside, outside, edge. Um and now now they've got him in um playing um inside backer, I think for the Patriots. I mean, yeah, the, the Mormon church was really successful um, in the South Pacific. And so, um, and um, so I think, man, the stat used to be that, that Tonga was about 50% Mormon. So me being Tong and, and a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, that, that also gave me some value if we happened to be recruiting um, an LDS kid as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 for those that don't know like when you when you go serve your mission um obviously it's like after high school. Right. And and you know kind of like if you're looking at a 2022 20, kid then he becomes 2024, 20, correct? Right. right. So yeah. so for you um <clears throat> before I go into the mission I have to ask what what was your high school graduation year and who were like the the star players cuz there's one when I was in high school that like sticks out and like when I think of US Trinity football I think of Brandon Carter. And oh, he, yeah, dude. he he didn't pan out at TCU. He had some right. off the field stuff. Right. But right. like when they were playing like across the street at UTA <clears throat> or or down the road at Martin or whatever, like I was there. Like we yeah. all wanted we all wanted to go watch them. Um, but who who were those guys when you were in high school or that that you watched leading up to high school? Yeah, I graduated in
0: '94, and so the dudes that was on that were on that team were guys like Kenny Lewis. Um, he ended up playing at UT, and I think he transferred out to New Mexico afterwards. Um, there was uh, <clears throat> the center on that team was Robert Hadden. Um, he ended up signing with Tech. Um, the tight end was a really good friend of mine, Willie Butler. He signed with Tulane. I think he transferred to SFA or after that. Um. um at, then the year after me was my cousin Semisi Hemuli he he ended up signing with AM. and he was the first <coughs> um tongan and maybe polynesian to play a, at AM. and then after that he kind of started a pipeline with uh guys like Mo Vakalahi Lee Foliaki Misi Tupe and then um and then even uh, Polo Etiaki uh, i uh, um sorry Manukai new Polo was one of the guys that that passed away when those um, when those uh guys drove from Utah to Texas. Oh. Uh, so he was he so so Missy kind of started the whole Polynesian pipeline at AM. Um, but but you know, I Trinity wasn't totally loaded from top to bottom, you know, as far as like college talent. Man, but they had some hardworking kids who were really good football, uh, high school football players. And, um, you know, and that culture was kind of started by Ed Hickman. And so he came in and changed the culture and even changed the uniforms to kind of
1: uh, mimic uh, Odessa Permians. I mean, every single time you watch him, it's just like ground and pound just beat you to a pulp and and like beat other teams into submission. Right. Um, So, like, you graduate in 94. And you don't start Texas state until what? 2008. That was my first season. Yeah. That was your first season. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that time period like between high school and doing college? Like, where did you go? Like, where was Jake Long? Like, where were you at? And I was in ULIS, you know, um, I think I graduated
0: the 1.9 GPA. Um, I didn't take school seriously. And so, um, you know, I, I couldn't get into a university or anything. Um, initially, I had, I had wanted to go to Rick's College, which is uh, owned by the Mormon Church. Um, it's now B, it's now BYU, Idaho. But um, after high school, I, I had uh, I'd gone up to Idaho to hang out with my cousins and I, I wanted to go there. Um, my dad knew that I wasn't ready for college. <clears throat> uh, he, t- he told me to come back. And um, to be honest, man, I didn't really have a plan for my life. You know, like, you know, kind of bummed around a little bit. Worked here and there. Um, traveled a lot because my dad worked for the airlines. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then, um, where all did you travel? Really, just in the, just within the states. I never really took advantage of it. You know, I'd, I'd fly. I'd fly to Hawaii, but I never went to like, you know, Tahiti or anything.
1: You know what I mean? Did but you, did you feel like going to all these different states and kind of like just experiencing life and kind of maybe wandering a little bit in the desert, so to speak. Yeah. Um, did you feel like you had a chance to like get to know yourself and what you were about during that time? Yeah, I figured out that I was a
0: loser. <laughs>
1: <God>. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah, but it was I mean, it was a
0: it was a life lesson that I needed to learn though. You know, my, my dad had you know, he had always preached hard work. He had always preached academics and family. Um the academics part. Um it wasn't that I was dumb. I just didn't care. Right. And so um, life life had to punch me in the mouth before I figured it out. And so um, got married uh, mid 20s, I think. Twenty six, maybe twenty seven. Um, my dad uh, made my wife promise him that I'd uh, go back to school. So that's what I did. Um, initially, I was supposed to be a criminal justice. Uh, I was a criminal justice major. My wife got a promotion with her job. We moved down here. I thought we'd only be here maybe two years and we'd go back to Uless. Um, I went to community college route and um, enrolled at Texas State afterwards, kind of realized that criminal, criminal justice wasn't going to work out for me. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And my wife said, are you kidding me? Um, get into football, right? I said, why do you say that? She goes, when I first moved here, we'd watch Monday night football. Thursday would be at the JV game. Friday would be at the varsity game. Saturday, we watch college football. <clears throat> and Sunday, we watch NFL. Right. And so that's what we did. And so I th- then I thought, man, she's paying attention. She's probably right.
1: She's what she watched football with you like yeah. this whole time. That's yeah. awesome.
0: And she's probably tired of me. She wanted, she probably wanted, wanted football to take me away from or would take her away from it. Right. Right. You know, and, and I didn't play a whole lot of football growing up, you know, so it got a little tricky for me. You know, how people are with, with football, especially here in Texas, right? They're very possessive of it. You know, so if you didn't play a lot of football, if you didn't play any, like you're not, you're not a part of the. You're not, you're not one of us. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so me being the, the skinny Polynesian who didn't play much of it, I was always kind of the the outcast, but I was also the one with the good memory that could remember stats where guys were, where guys were from, what schools they played for, um, how tall they were weight wise and things like that. And so, um, and having a lot of relatives that played college and NFL ball, um, I kind of saw like a certain side of it, even though um, I, I didn't play in college or or in the NFL, right? Kind of came up with a plan, and um, um, I I had no idea about um, like the football calendar, right? And so I just told myself, okay, um, I'm going to go to to the football program at Texas State. I'm going to introduce myself and offer them my uh, like offer them uh, my services, right? Um, like my stupid self, like walked into the building, like in the middle of August,
1: you know what I mean? Well, well, credit, like, I mean, that's the start of like the academic semester. So you're probably thinking like, all right, before the season gets started, like I want to get in there.
0: Right, right. And I thought, man, I better get in there before the season starts. Right. But I had no idea that, that the culture of fall camp, there is no messing around Everyone's dialed in, like they're blocking out all the outside noise and people. Right, and so actually, I remember um, going into the parking lot, and and there was a there was a like a chat board website um, w- website guy that was there, um, and he was outside in the parking lot. Um, I, I didn't know it was him at the time, but I just said, "Hey, uh, can you tell me where the football offices are?" And he said, "Oh, they're this way, right?" And I said, "Okay, cool." So I, I start walking there, and he's like, "Hey, man." Um, um, you probably shouldn't go in there I was like why because man they're, they're super busy and I thought huh you know um I started to turn turn around and go back to my car but I had already come up with the plan to try to get into football I had mustered up the courage to to go um <clears throat> talk to some grown men about helping out I said you know what like I'm gonna go and the guy laughed at me right and so I went anyways um some players are walking out, and um, one of the coaches walked out. Um, sheesh! I can't remember his name right now. But I, I had asked the players to to go get whoever recruits the Dallas Fort Worth area, and and, and they brought him back out. And I introduced myself, and I say, hey, my, my name is Jake Lang. I'm a Polynesian student here at, at Texas State. Um, I have some connections with with uh, with Polynesians, whether it's at Trinity High School or junior colleges. Um, if you happen to recruit anybody man i might be able to help you out and then um he said do you know lee foliaki i said yeah he's a relative of mine he goes man i coached him last year at A&M. I said oh, okay awesome and so he said man we'll, we'll give you a call and so fast forward to maybe like november december um that no actually january that's when they that's when they called me in and that's when i met jay wash um but then that staff left for rice but um he he knew that he knew the value of, of maybe um, having me around to help him connect with some of the recruits, and so um, yeah, that that staff left for Rice, but then um, the the staff that took over afterwards, I guess Jay Wash had um, had uh, he had spoken to uh, the O line coach at the time about me, and so then then that O line uh, coach uh, gave me a call, and that's how I got started.
1: Wow. I mean, just the fact that Jay Wash would make that call, you know what I mean? Like, like it kind of, it takes one of those or two of those, three of those calls um, in everybody's career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like extend the, the, your, your opportunities. Right. And then obviously you had to like do a great job of, you know, earning your keep and proving your worth. Right. So there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are. Up and coming, you know, rising, you know, player personnel, assistants, interns, student interns, you know, guys that want to be in your shoes now and guys that want to be directors one day and and assist in running a college program. So what were some of the things that that you did that allowed you to have the success that that you're now in currently? Um, I think I had to figure out what my value was, you know what I mean? Because like, um.
0: Kind of like what dan hatman says um networking is transactional right yeah so you can't be just someone that walks to the door and says hey i want experience to me i'm going to ask what can you do for us you know what i mean so i knew initially that that my you know just being polynesian and the cultural ties that i have I, i knew that could get my foot in the door but i needed to be a student of the game Right. So, um, luckily for me, I worked with the O line coach. So, I was able to learn the game from the inside out. Um, had to make myself available. Right. Because sometimes uh, your best ability is your availability. And so, man, I was, man, I was, I was working with the O line coach. Had to jump in the equipment room if I needed to. Um, had to clean up, set up. Um, man, sometimes I even babysat. You know what I mean? And so, um, you turn around and, um, uh, you know, you host an all American and then, you know, when he's not looking you, 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 sneak out and take the trash out. You know what I mean? So, so you gotta do everything. Um, cause if you're, a, if you're a one trick pony, yeah, good luck. You know, um, you, you, have gotta be versatile. Um, I think with recruiting too, um, you have to have some people skills. You, you can't just be an evaluator. You have to be able to connect with people. You have to be able to read between the lines, you have to be able to earn trust, you know, because you have to you have to gather information as well, right? And so if people don't trust you, they'll probably give you the minimal, but they won't, you won't be able to get what you need to know, you yeah. know. But um <clears throat> I think for me, being humble too, because I was already an older guy, right? And so I was reporting to guys, you know, 10 years younger than me. You know so i had to get over myself in a lot of ways and and not look at them as an as as someone that was younger than me but was someone that i could learn from you know so i mean even today man like one of my guys at at texas he's probably a 21 22 year old grad student that works with us he's been with us i think going on five years um austin Yarman. yeah man i'm that dude's half my size he's half my age um but man, that dude is sharp, man. He, he can, football operations, evaluation, everything in between, running football camps, like he's, he's the dude. And so, um, man, I pick his brain all the time. You know, yeah. so being humble matters because if, if you think you're too good to take the trash out or to, you know, do the simple
1: things, man, you, you have no business in football and especially in leadership positions. Yeah, it's kind of hard to ask somebody to do those things if you don't prove that you're willing to do it as well no doubt no doubt and so you know the
0: leaders lead by 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 their example as well you know and so um
1: you lead you lead from the front not from the back absolutely
0: yeah Yeah, no doubt no doubt but um yeah just just learning as much as you can you know figuring out what you're good at but but something that I, i really try to um Talk to the young guys about it's like trying to figure out what your value is, you know, because everyone says I'm passionate, I love the game, I'm hardworking, I'm smart. Man, come on, like yeah. that comes with the territory, right? So like, give me give me something better than that. And a lot of times, it makes them think and they realize that they've never been asked what your value is, and they've never they've never asked themselves that, you know. So it, they have to do some soul searching, and so it actually helps them out. Um, because once they can figure out what their value is, then then they can figure out um, how to how to navigate their way
1: through this business. It's like it's like what's your superpower and how do you unlock it? Like, yeah, what no what do you do special that's different than somebody else? And right. um, I, I completely agree with what you were saying a second ago too on like you can't just sit behind a screen and just evaluate film. Right. Like you can't <clears throat> because right. you got to connect with your coaching staff to like communicate that info. But yeah. then you got to connect with the kid because it's not like we just pick them like the NFL scouts, right? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You know, people can learn how to how to evaluate, right?
0: But winning over people's hearts, that's the hard part. You know, like earning people's trust, that's the hard part. Like asking parents to trust us with their children, you know, and to maximize their potential, you know, and and telling them how you're gonna help protect their brain, their necks. On their limbs and and hopefully uh set them up for life after football and yeah that's that's not something that i take lightly for me being an older guy a lot of times my my perspective is coming from a parent's perspective and so i can connect the parents that way whereas the younger guys um um they can do the the campus tours you know they can share information they can talk about a lot of the cool stuff but earning trust that might be a little tricky, you know what I mean. So they might be able to connect to connect with the player, with the recruit. But you know, these parents are coming in with 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 um, with life experience, yeah. You know? And so so that's where I kind of come in, being one of the older guys in the in the recruiting department, talking to them, um, parent to parent.
1: Yeah, I think people forget that when the <laughs> campus tour is going on, and there's a three seat, three row golf cart, right? Right. That back seat where mom yeah. and the senior recruiter, Jake sitting. Right. are sitting. Right. Right. That connection and right. her trusting <clears throat> you and realizing this guy cares about the players. This guy cares about my son. He's telling me the truth. Right. She is Mariona Rivera on the drive home. She's no the doubt. one that's leading the conversation. I think no doubt. that's the most overlooked aspect of you better make sure that the parents are on board too. No because doubt. Because – who is talking to Brandon you know Carter on the drive yeah, home? No like, doubt it's mama Yeah yeah and, and I want to know I want to know who um, um,
0: I want to know who his heart is. you know what I mean Is it mom is it grandma? is, is it dad? is it a mentor like who that person is? Um, you, know, you, you got to do your homework you know uh-huh. got to figure out what, what makes them tick um, um what 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 worries them? You know what I mean? What, what um, concerns you can, um, you can resolve for them. Um, you know, me um, being one of the older guys, I've like, I've kind of taken on like an uncle role where, you know, these parents know that if, uh, if they sign with Texas, then I'm going to kind of play that role. I'm, I'll, I'll never try to replace, you know, the, the father figures in their life, but I can act as an uncle, you know, and I, um, you know love on their kids you know sometimes it's going to be tough love but um I'm definitely going to love up on them you know yeah. so
1: um yeah so I'm kind of unk now so it's all good OG OG uncle right, right. um I was going to ask you something <clears throat> um uh you were talking about you know that aspect of you know being the uncle looking out for them kind of you, you know that your role is looking out for the players and that Kind of not fatherly role, but like uncle role. Right. Do you feel like after you graduated Texas State and you had what could have been viewed as the biggest setback of your career, do you feel like that has become your biggest uh, proponent of who you are now? And I'm talking about the birth of your son, Cannon, because gotcha. um, I, I listened to the, the interview you had with the people that wound up sponsoring y'all and, and right. really, you know, in a miraculous way, helping you guys provide for your son. And and there's just so many layers to this. Um, I kind of want to open it up to you and kind of let you share kind of your story on it. Um, But I feel like with all of the factors that go into the incredibly rare form of autism and, and, and rare, you know, deal that he's been working through his entire life and overcoming, um, K-A-T-6-A, which I'll let you explain. Yeah. Um, I get the sense that like all the stuff that you've talked about, trust, detail, um, you know, being very specific and, and really paying attention and, and listening deeply, not just glossing over conversations, but like hearing people for what they're saying and what they're not saying with their body language. Like, do you feel like you've gotten some of that from having to work with and, and really put your son first in your life? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so
0: so here I am, you know, working working at Texas State as an undergrad, right? And, and I'm about to graduate and I have some years of experience under my belt and have some people reaching out to me um, about potential jobs and had some job offers. Um, had, I think, some ops offers, GAs, um, GA offers, things like that, um, recruiting uh, offers um i'm about to graduate and then my son is born right and and we didn't know it at the time but um he was born with a rare genetic disease um when he was identified with that i think he was the 11th person in the world identified with it and you know later on we found out he had autism as well but when he was born he had so many health issues he got rushed to the to the nicu and we were there for 39 days and then um all of a sudden, man, we have a team of doctors and specialists that are sharing information with us. And I was overwhelmed, like, man, I, all I wanted to know is that I wanted to get my son the hell out of there, right? And so, um, but, you know, I was paying attention to to the type of information that they were giving us. I was paying attention to the bedside manner. Um, I was paying attention to who was mindful of us as parents. You know what I mean? And so. Um, like I tell people all the time, like life changes when you have to wipe someone else's butt. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I had an older daughter before, um, but with him, with all the health issues that he had, um, that changed everything. Right. And so my wife had a good job. Um, she had great insurance. Um, but we realized real quick that, um, he was going to need, uh, um, 24 seven supervision and, I wasn't going to chase a job making like one third of what she made. So, um, decided to be a stay at home dad, swallowed my pride and came home and changed diapers. Um, took him to all his doctor appointments. Uh, he literally had a doctor appointment every week of his well, the first year of his life. Um, we ended up having a team of maybe 13 specialists. Right. And so they all had, um, You know, yeah, they all had their own ways of of telling us how to take care of them. And a lot of them didn't have quite the answers that we needed because because the rare genetic disease, you know what I mean? And so. um, So I was I was trusting a lot of other people with my son. You know, and um, and to me, I think recruiting kind of falls along the same lines, you know what I mean, where having nice facilities is cool. Rich tradition is cool. Um, whatever whatever is great about your program, cool. But to me, it will always be about the people behind the logo and who's going to look after your son. You know what I mean? Um, who's going to be mindful of him when, when he's going through a tough time? Um, who's going to call him out on his BS and hold him accountable? Um, um, who's going to be his family while he's away from family? You know, and so... Um, I know the day that I stopped getting wedding invites from former players, um, I, I know that that I've got to change some things up, you know, um, but yeah. but that's what I want. I, I want the wedding invites from former players. I want them to call me and tell me that, you know, that they just had a son, you know what I mean? Because, um, you know, like by the time they get to college, you know, odds are they they might've played more football than they have in front of them. You know so so life is going to start real quick for them and so we've got to make sure that um we know who they are as parents as people what make them tick what makes them tick and um you know come up with a vision for their life you know and, and try to maximize that and then you know because their family is become is going to become your family you know and, and they don't stop being family once their eligibility runs out you know they have to be they have to
1: still be family and you've never had uh inkling of a desire to coach or do player development i did
0: initially i i wanted to be a high school coach you know um i wanted to go back to trinity and coach there um but you know we, we just happened to stay here you know and i i enjoyed the, the the college scene um like i enjoyed the recruiting aspect as well um it, it kind of just turned into the niche that, that I, that I, that I felt um, good at. Um, Cause I mean, I, I've done the academic side of football. I've, I've been an instant replay tech, right. Um, no way. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, man, my one year I was up, uh, I was up in the instant replay booth with, with those retired refs. Oh man. And you know, like I, I remember we had a, a play against Texas tech that didn't go our way and people looked at me and were flipping me off. Like I was the one that made the call. I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm just pressing buttons, man. Blame the old guy next to me.
1: (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah, so like, I've done a little bit of everything. You said academic, so were you an academic counselor at Texas State or
0: no? No, I, I more of an intern for them, right? And so gotcha, gotcha. So and a lot of that ended up being, um, being a mentor to those guys. You know, like after a long day, they're they're trying to study, and you you're trying to figure out why someone isn't. Isn't doesn't have their head in the books, you know what I mean? And then they end up coming up to you telling you that, you know, that that um, that maybe their girlfriend is pregnant <clears throat> or their mom is sick or their dad just passed away or their grandfather's going through cancer so they can't get their mind off of their gar- their grandfather. And so, man, it's I really kind of just became like a mentor to those guys, you know, and um. Yeah, I, and and I, I remember being on the academic side and kind of realizing that these some of these players didn't really know each other. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so um, one day I was like, "Hey, man, um, whoever can tell me, uh, um what's what school your position coach went to, I'll let you go home right now." None of them wow. could do it. Wow. Yeah, none of them could do it. And I it's a, "If you can tell me," what high school your roommate went to, I'll let you go home right now. Couldn't do it. Wow. Yeah, so I said, man, guess what, man? We got a lot of learning to do because if you guys expect to win games, you guys got to know who's to to the left and to the right of you, you know? And if you don't, it's going to be real easy to quit on yourself and on these guys because you don't care. You know what I mean? And so I I really, so a lot of times, like even just being like a, a study hall monitor, You know what I mean? Like we're trying to talk about some life stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, there was even one one occasion where. uh, Man, I had a player who uh, he had never known his dad, you know, and and I think when he found out about his dad was when his dad passed away and he didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, He didn't have a relationship with him. And this guy was trying to figure out if he should go to his dad's funeral or, or playing a game. And I think he was redshirting at the time. And I told him, man, go to your dad's funeral. And so I think he flew out to Philly. And because he didn't want to talk to anybody about it, he didn't have a ride to the airport. You know, so I, and it was a super early flight. And I think I woke up at three thirty in the morning to take him to the to the airport um so he can go see his dad off. And he ended up meeting some half siblings that he had never known and now they have strong relationships. And um he he came back knowing that that being at his dad's funeral and getting some closure and meeting family was, was more important than standing on the sidelines with, with a Jersey and and jeans
1: on. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's some true, like mental healing. And it's, it's kind of like where a lot of times people treat the, the symptoms, not the illness. Right. You know what I'm saying? Where they, they, they see the, the end result of sucking in the classroom or doing poorly on the field. And the first reaction is to just rip into somebody instead right. of taking a step back and saying like how did we get here okay right. like is there something we need to talk about right. But but you can't even have that conversation unless you actually like you said like know the person to the point right. where they trust you enough to be able <clears throat> to, to communicate it because it's it's one thing to ask like arbitrarily like i'm right. asking you right now like oh right. you look down like what's going on and you're like right. dude i don't know you're on the other side of a zoom call like no doubt you know what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah,
0: but if, if you can if you can find a way to earn trust and um, get people to open up their hearts, you know what I mean. Like, that's where the magic happens, you know. And, and that's with recruiting or, or just earning the trust of of your colleagues, you know, friends, people. Like, figure out what makes them tick, man. Figure out what's important to them, and and see how you can help that, you know. Because you can't just share information about graduation rates. You know stats this and that man they can get that anywhere but um I mean, I mean i mean even for myself right a lot of times i think i'm doing all the right things and then a player will commit somewhere else because of relationships you know and it doesn't make sense for them to be there but but because their relationship is there okay now i know okay maybe i need to turn it up um in the relationship aspect you know um but you know i've i've also been on the winning side of that too, you know, when I was at Texas state, I'd be Oklahoma state for, for a long snapper. You know what I mean? And so Texas state isn't supposed to do that, but you know, it, it came down to relationships and, and part of it too, was trust because the kid had the same last name as I did, you know? So wow. he was a real he was a relative. And so his dad wouldn't let him go anywhere else, but, but BYU. Wow. But he, he wouldn't, he wasn't going to let his son play at Oklahoma state. Cause his dad didn't trust those that staff up there. And so, yeah. So, but um, yeah, just trying to figure out what makes them tick, man, and being authentic about it, you know what I mean? And so, but the more homework you do on, on kids, the more you get to know them, you just kind of fall in love with them anyways, you know? And so, um, and even if they don't sign with you, you end up being big fans of theirs anyways, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I hear that so much. Cause like, you know, when you turn on the TV and, and you see like a star player, I, I want to talk about him, but right, uh, I'm not going to, cause he's still playing. Right. It's like, dang, like, you know, you have your text threads, like right. the kids will still like maybe group group you on a Instagram like message if you share a link. Right. And it's just like, you know, that's cool. Like, that's the cool part about this game is that it brings people together that are, you know, from all different walks of life and different parts of the world. And, you know, I wanted to ask like, how hard was it managing those time constraints when when you, Kind of made that decision. Okay, I'm going to be a stay-at-home dad. When did you get to the point where you could start working part-time, and how were you able to scale it up to being a full-time job? Like, what was that pro- process like for you? Because um, it probably seemed impossible at times when Cannon was really young. And I guess how did we how did we get here? Yeah, um,
0: yeah. I think I was a I think I was a stay-at-home dad for about a year and a half. And he finally got to a point where he didn't have as many doctor appointments, right? And so, um, um, and I was going crazy, you know, I was I was going nuts. Um, like, one, I wanted to provide for my family, and and I wasn't able to. Um, two, just just missing football, missing that that atmosphere and that culture. Um, so finally, when he when he got to a point where, um, where I could step away um, whenever my wife got home. Um, yeah, I was, sometimes my wife would get home at three, sometimes she'd get home at five. And then, um, then I'd volunteer at Texas state. Sometimes I'd be there till midnight. Sometimes I'd be there till three o'clock in the morning, just depended on what I needed to get done. But I made my weekends available for OVs and games, you know, so, so my wife sacrifices a lot too, um, for me to, to pursue the football thing, you know, cause yeah. when I'm gone, she's, she kind of becomes a, not just a single mother, but a single mother with two kids and one of them, one of them has special needs, you know? And so, um, so yeah, just, um, I volunteered and, um, did whatever I could at Texas state to, to be a value. Um, the went through a coaching change. I went through, through two coaching changes there at Texas state. Um, and then um, UT just happened to go through one as well. Um, and at the time of my last year at, at Texas State, um, um, we had we had that grant from the nonprofit organization that was uh, that was uh, taking care of my son's um, autism therapies, ABA therapy. And um, I want to say that they were covering about six figures a year. Something like that. Wow. So, so to me, I can I consider that my pay, you know. Um, so, um, so he he eventually started school, so um, I could I could be at work um, during the day, and and I could stay there if my wife could could pick him up from from school, but if she couldn't pick him up from school, then I'd I'd end up leaving the office around two or three to pick him up, and then I'd work from home um and then whenever my wife would get home i'd either continue working from home or i'd or i'd jump back on the freeway and go back into the office uh-huh. so it just made it work you know what i mean
1: yeah
0: and so um spent a lot of time on i-35 you know yeah um, but i think the pandemic showed that you can get a lot of stuff done from home you know what i mean and so yeah. that to me that was kind of a blessing in disguise um because i'm hearing even like some nfl guys are are or work, working remotely from home too. Luckily for me, you know, working for a guy like Derek Chang, who who gave me my initial shot at Texas, um awesome, awesome, awesome guy. And he was mindful of of my of my situation at home. And so he gave me the flexibility to to either be in the office or work from home. And that wasn't really something you really saw back then, you know. Yeah. Um pre COVID, yeah. Yeah. But but he knew that um that I'd be available for uh, unofficials, especially OVs and games. And, um, I think part of it too is that, you know, when I first got to, to Texas, um, he told me I had one job and that was to sign Junior Angilao, And so, um, I did. Yeah. You know, yeah, you so, I, so like, so part of it is like earning trust, right? Like, can I, can I trust this guy to work from home, you know, and, and not be in the office? Cause you know how it is, like, especially in football, if you're not in the office, people think you're lazy or not working. Yep. You know what I mean, but I mean, if, as long as I have a phone and a laptop, I'm good. Yeah. You know I mean? And so, um, but really earning trust and, and I think enough people co-signed to Derek for me where he knew that, um, that, that he could trust me to, to get stuff done, you know, and, and, and give me that flexibility. <clears throat> and so, um, but after I left Texas State, I also promised myself I would only work for people that I respected. you know what I mean because yeah. um, if, if if that wasn't the case, I'd, I'd leave the building and get out of football. Yeah So, so making sure that um, um, that I align myself with the people that I respect but, um, but also people that will understand my situation and give me a little bit of flexibility um, that might not be all that comfortable for them but i know that um you know come signing day like
1: that all come through you're very um careful with the words you choose and i know that's because you've spent a lot of a lot of reflect reflecting on your own thoughts and taking the time to to map that out like just right. hearing you talk through everything so like maybe is is it your morning routine is it your nightly routine like is what, what is it that you do every single day to get yourself right? Do you have like a, a routine before you start your work day? Like what are, what, what's, you know, kind of what's your, your deal? Like, how do you, how do you process all that? And, and just to kind of uh, share kind of our text threads, like you're always asking me like, Hey, what book are you reading? So right. I, I know you read a lot too. So like, what is it that you do that gets your yourself in the right mindset to work?
0: I would probably say just, um, trying to have an attitude of gratitude. You know what I mean? Cause <clears throat> I, and that was something that, that my dad taught me to have. And so I, I think because that attitude of gratitude, I, <clears throat> I think I do reflect a lot and look back on things that have happened and the blessings in my life, you know? Um, and with my son, I don't take, I don't take the small things for granted, you know, um, The other day I posted on social media that um, a a video of my son eating a French fry, you know. Um, But if you if you go back and watch it, he kind of looks at the French fry, kind of pauses, grabs it, brings it towards his mouth, but doesn't like immediately chew into it. But he slowly chews into it and then then he starts chewing. Right. And so to me, that that reminded me of the years of therapy that that he went through just to get to that point, you know what I mean? So my son reminds me every day to, to be thankful for the little things, you know? Um, but I think that's really, it's just a part of me, especially like not, not having a whole lot growing up, you know, just grateful for, um, for a lot of things, you know, like people clown me cause like, you know, Mayo is, is, is my favorite. Right. But what people don't know is that, you know, there was probably two weeks of my life where my family didn't have much. And so I survived off of mayonnaise sandwiches. You wow. Know what I mean? So like, man, when I say I'm grateful for a male, like I'm grateful, you know, and I know that sounds stupid, but I just knew that I wasn't going to eat much, um, like coming home during those two weeks. And so eating male sandwiches got me through.
1: Wow. It's And it's way different than just, I like the way it tastes like it it like yeah. resonates.
0: Right, it brings yeah.
1: back. It brings you back to that time. Yeah, and I
0: should probably chill out, you know, because it's probably in my veins, you know. That's probably why <laughs> three ten, but but I I think it's a part of me. But um, but I think in the past I've prob- I've probably reflected too much, and I didn't. Why do you say that? Uh like overthinking things or what? No, I I think part of it was like um, when. You know, during my early twenties, when I didn't really have a plan, you know, I was always looking back, but uh, I wasn't thinking about the future, right? And so I had to be around people that that challenged me to not look back so much, and try to try to map out a plan, and try to figure out a way to achieve the things that I wanted to achieve and be who I wanted to be. Um, one of them, uh, one of like, I've I've got a handful of mentors, but the main one is uh is got this guy named Tuli Matealona i um, worked in the NFL, NFL Europe for a long time. And um, he, he's old school, man. He's he's a little bit older than me, but he's he's old school, um, straight to the point. Doesn't, doesn't beat around the bush. And, um, you know, I don't think I was called out enough in my early 20s. I think people were kind of giving me some space to try to figure out life, um, but I wasn't figuring it out. But uh, he's been a, he's been a, um, a solid voice in my head. Um, um, and he's someone that I can turn to, to, to tell me the truth, you know? And so, um, I remember one time I had some stuff going on at Texas state and I was frustrated. I felt stuck. I didn't feel like I was growing and called him up and I vented for about 15, 20 minutes. And when I was done, he got quiet. And I said, Tully, you there. He goes, yeah, are you done? And I said, yeah, he goes, okay shut the f up and go back to work he said get over yourself and man when he told me that and i i was shocked because like i I'd never it had been a while since someone had spoken to me like that and i think the last person who might have been my dad you know and so um but i realized that that um that complaining wasn't wasn't gonna solve it and so he basically told me to get over myself go back to work and whenever um i was done whining to call him back. And then he figured he'd help me figure out a plan. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm appreciative of him. Like a lot of, a lot of times it's tough love with him, but, um, I found that I kind of
1: gravitate towards that. So, um, super, super grateful for him. Like it, it kind of brings you back to, to square one. It kind of brings yeah. you back down to earth. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Especially like being at a place like Texas, right. Cause people can get caught up in that. Um, people can get caught up in the perception um you know people think that you have access to all these great things and and that things come easy and um in a lot of ways you know being at a a texas is probably harder right because you you have less room for um uh mistakes yeah you know what i mean um but but having having a guy like him um helped me to navigate um this business and, and really life right like I didn't realize that I needed a mentor till about 2008, you know, I had never, yeah. you know, and so, um, and a lot of guys that, that come through the building, a lot of those, that's one of the first questions I ask, I'll ask them, you know, who their mentor is and a lot of them will, will say they don't have one, you know, and yeah. I kind of end up becoming one for them, you know, sometimes. Um, but I mean, I, that's, that's a role that I enjoy because if, if I can help someone, um, avoid the pitfalls that that I had and avoid the landmines, uh, you know, that that I walked into and the mistakes that I made, then man, cool, man. You know, like I, I got a late start in football. So, you know, instead of having like 13 years, I should have 23. You yeah. know what I mean? And so yeah. uh, I I, I want to help the young guys coming up. And I think it's selfish. It'd be selfish of me to to keep everything to myself, you know, because a lot of the stuff that I know has been recycled anyways, you know, people have just passed them on to me. That's
1: that's it for everybody. Right. You know. Like yeah. I'm not I'm not able to do this job if I didn't work for Derek Chang. Yeah. And I was I was pissed at the at the moment because I wanted the head job. I right. wasn't ready for it. Right. And when he got hired, and like the way he approached me was just like, hey, I wanna I'm gonna sit in the chair that you're gonna be in and I'm gonna watch you work for a week and I'm gonna ask you questions. I wanna see how you work. I wanna see how you do things. And yeah. it was like the most shocking, like it, it was the second boss I'd ever had there, the behind Adrian Mays. Yeah. It was completely different. I mean, Adrian's a hard charger, right. like like he's just go, go, go. And yeah. whereas Derek's a little more like reflective and like, all right, like I wanna see how you think. And then, right. then we'll have a conversation. It was just, it was really cool. So I, I completely, you know, yeah. re- relate to you on that. Yeah, would I you love, say, you know, what are you going to say? No, I was just going to say I love both guys. You know, yeah. worked with Adrian at Texas State and then, you know,
0: Derek for three years, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: love both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, they, they're they just, they've been such a blessing to me. And like, I would not have <clears> the <throat> jobs that I've had without those guys. Right. Uh, kind of like, not quite closing out, but I feel like, your wife's part of that group of people that kind of keeps you centered, because the uh, the tweet that you posted the other day, I, this thing got like a ton of traction. It was like almost seven hundred <laughs> likes. Uh, when uh, you got hired by Texas, what did she say to you, and what was the reaction?
0: Yeah, so I get off the phone with Derek, right, and um, so I call her, and um, you know I tell her I get the, I got the job, right, and really I, actually all I said was. She answered the phone, right? Cause she knew that I, uh, that I was going to be talking to to Chang. And so I call her and she goes, what happened? What happened? What happened? I said, hook him," Right. And she loses it. She's going ballistic. And she's like, um, she's going crazy. And she's like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, you're going to meet Matthew McConaughey. And, and here I am. Right. Like all that, that I had gone through at Texas state, right. Like working under three coaches, um, um, you know, trying to find ways to, to, to be a value volunteering, um, like our son being born, right. Having to walk away, be a stay at home dad. Um, and then finally, you know, getting back into football and landing at a place like Texas. And that was the first thing she said, you know what I mean? And so I was like, I said, after eight years of waiting for an opportunity like this, that's the first thing you say. And I said, man, I got to go. And I hung up on her. So, i hung up on her, man. And so, uh, you know, she called me back, you know, and then, you know, you know we, you know, we, we, part of me was just joking, but part of me was like, are you serious? Yeah. No, but, um, um, but yeah, it was, it was a trip. And I, and I think, I think, I guess my brand on social media is, is somewhat of a storyteller. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I would agree with that you know, I've, i kind of gravitated and I, I think that's me in general, because I think um, part of it has to do with the genealogy and knowing my family history and things like that. So that comes across naturally, you know? And so, um, and cause, you know, cause there's a thing, right? I'm when I was, whenever I was at Texas state and I was trying to figure out, okay, what what's my brand? Who am I? Like, cause if I'm going to be on social media, I have to be authentic. Right? I can't I can't be anyone else. But all I knew is that there was this young black dude at Houston, like. Killing it. Right. Yeah. I'm like, Who is this dude? You know, and it was B.C. Right. But, you know, but um, but that's him. Right. And and, and I kind of noticed other people trying to trying to mimic that. But there's only one B.C. You know what I mean? And So, yeah. you know, Dwayne Johnson says that um, the reason why. <clears throat> his rock character works um, is because it's really a part of him with the volume turned up, you know? And so I, I realized, okay, um, social media it has to be authentic. You just have to know when to turn it up and when to turn it down. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it has to be me. I, I, I can't, if I go on social media and trying to act cool, man, I'm a corny dad now, man. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm uncle, you know what I mean? So I can't go there trying to, Trying to talk like these young cats do, you know what I mean. But, yeah. <laughs> but I enjoy social media, though. I mean, it, it, I mean, shoot, that's how we connected. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's connected yeah. me to to people that I trust, uh, people that I respect, um, and it's another way that that makes the world smaller. You know. Yeah. So, um, and it's and, and it's pretty cool for me to go back <clears throat> and read like um, old DMs, of recruits that you found, right? And um, you were like, um, like maybe like you know, a, a guy that I discovered, that no one else was on him, and then nobody knew about him until like three months later, and then, then he blew up. But but he points to to that DM, to basically the day that his life changed. You know what I mean? And 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 you changing the trajectory of his life because you you sat down, you evaluated some tape, and you didn't care about the stars. You you trusted your eyes, and and you stood on the table for him. You know what I mean? So. I don't I don't delete those because I because some of those things I'll screenshot and and frame out as as pictures.
1: I so I'm guilty of doing the same thing uh, on like draft day when somebody will will you know get picked and I'm like damn like I I remember bringing this guy up and we were trying right. to pull trigger <laughs> on him right. wanted to be first and you go back to that first message it's like hey man loved your tape. Right. What's your interest in Houston or what's your interest in a riot? So you're like, oh, oh, man, that one hurts. There's one last question I had for you. Yeah. Our buddy Brian Carrington told me to ask you (laughs) about the story behind not letting the swag fool you. Yeah, man. Um, You know how uh, how we
0: had talked about um, B.C.'s brand and. You know, he, he was really, he was able to really kind of bring his personality to life on social media. And to me, um, that was really the first time I had ever seen like a, a support staff guy do that. Right. Um, and then, you know, he BC was really able to, um, um, I mean, in my opinion, he, he changed the recruiting game. Yeah. Right. Um, but he's a, he's a cool dude, right? Like, like you'll never see him sweat. Um, like he swagged out. Um, he's always kind of reinventing himself, whether it's his, uh, whether it's his role in football or, or if it's his hairdo, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and, and, and you know, so I, I always kind of admired him from a distance. Um, and then once I got to work with him, um, we really first connected, um, because of my son, right, where he, he started reading, um, my post about my son and his, um, autism and his, uh, his rare genetic disease. Well, then BC, and, and, you know, before me and BC were just kind of cool, but then, then he started to open up to me and say, Hey man, I've, I've got a brother with special needs as well. and then he started telling me about the thousands of hours um, that, um, that he had volunteered um to the special needs community. Right. And so and, and he had done this like starting at a very young age and and we had like deep conversations about how um that he would most likely be um his brother's caregiver, you know, once their mom passes away. You know, and so and then kind of learning that um, that pretty much all the jobs he's ever had was customer service related. And so he's always um, served people. And so to me, I think people that don't know him, especially on social media, they think he's just some dude that um, that just says cool stuff. You know and and they think that he's just a relationships guy but they have no idea that that there's a lot of depth there to be to bc and he just doesn't like to talk about it you know and and i mean i mean why? i mean how do you how do you go on social media and and brag about the thousands of hours that you volunteered um to the special needs community yeah You you, you don't you don't yeah right but it's but it's something that that he had done um at a very young age well he started at a very young age and it's because um it's something that 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 has affected his family you know and so i mean we've had conversations of you know him you know possibly having to uh you know walk away from from all this you know to to take care of his brother and things like that and so um that's why I appreciate BC. He, he really understands where I'm coming from and he understands the, the sacrifices that I've made, um, to try to stay relevant in this business. Um, you know, and, and, you know, he, he, he's one of the few guys that, that, um, would ask about Canon all the time, Yeah. you know, and so like, um, so I appreciate him and coach Niver is another one of those guys that I've always appreciated because uh, Niver was at Texas State when my son was born, you know, and uh, uh so he was always mindful of him. And and then, you know, when when Niver left, I think for Kentucky and then um, then he landed at Houston. Right. And then, you know, we 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 traveled to, we traveled to Houston to, to play them and they spank us. And, you know, I, after the game, I'm looking for him um, on the field and. I hear Jake. Right. And I turn around and Tim him and I go give him a hug. And you know, I do the whole congratulations, coach, great win. Good luck the rest of the season. And he's like, man, screw all that, man. How's my how's my guy Cannon doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like, that's why Niver is my guy. You know, he's he's always been mindful of of my family, especially um, especially my son. And and actually, after I had interviewed with Chang,
1: um,
0: you know, I, I remember the Chang walking me out to the parking lot and um, and this big truck pulls into the parking lot. I didn't know who it was. And all of a sudden I hear and, you know, this is a few years later after we had played Houston. Um, big truck pulls up and this guy gets out and says, Jake and I turn on his neighbor right he gives me a big hug and asks me what I'm doing there I tell him I just interview with chang and um man he puts his stamp on me you know <clears throat> excuse me um and he tells chang man you got to hire this guy like he's connected to a lot of people you know he's he's a good guy he's one of the good dudes in this business um and so so me interviewing with 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 Texas had been um Pretty much on the hush, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then Niver jumps on Twitter and says something to the effect of great to see Ken's dad on the 40 acres, one of the great dudes in this business, blah, blah, blah. But but he 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 referred to me as Ken's dad. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. I saw it. Um and so I for for me that I appreciate that. You know, so um guys like bc um guys like niver guys guys like chang who have been mindful of of me and my situation and and have worked with me and um have allowed me to to do whatever i do um but but to always ask about my son like um like sincerely ask about my son you know what i mean um that's why i appreciate those guys um because i think um you know not a whole lot of people really cared about what i did when i was at texas state but once i got the texas logo on my chest all of a sudden people cared right? Right. So, right so i had to be i had to be mindful of of the people that i networked with um but um but you know someone like bc has always been just mindful of my son and he's been mm-hmm. sincere about it and, and it's because you know because um, his brother is a, is a special needs guy himself so um, so he understands that the some of the things that I worry about the things that um, me and my family have to be mindful of and so and I remember you know because bc like you know in the past like he's gotten on social media and um he'll say things and like and it, like it'll ruffle feathers right and so like you know Sometimes it's the fan base <laughs> that goes after him. Sometimes it's OU's fan base, whatever it is. Um, and so that's why I, I kind of came up with the whole like, don't let the swag fool you, because he's he's deeper than just like some cool tweets. You know what I mean? And I mean, have you seen you've seen him work yep. where man, I had never seen like recruiting presentations like like he has, like like, like he does. Um Until I met him, you know, I had never seen that in college football, but even his, his, uh, his presentation skills, man, they're pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think the, the guys don't, people that don't see the, the ins and outs and the details of what he does every day. I mean, they could think that he's just a relationships guy or some guy that just, um, that just tweets cool stuff, you know? So, um, that's that's why I brought up, you know, years ago, don't let the swag fool you. You know, because uh he's he's got a lot of he's BC he is a caring um guy who is always mindful of others and he sets others up for success. Um I mean you you, you know that. I mean I mean you worked with him, you know, before yeah. I you know what I mean, and so um super intentional about the moves that he makes, you know, and um Yeah, I I think people uh, underestimate um, the strategy behind the madness.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? And at -hmm. the end of the day, like the don't let the swag fool you. It's like, don't let somebody's face on social media. Don't let somebody's profile, you know, on social media dictate how you, you know, perceive somebody or assume their character is without knowing them. You know, I think that's the, the big takeaway yeah yeah no doubt you know because um same goes for you you know what i mean especially for people that just now are are you know that maybe weren't super familiar with you that come to your page you're like oh shoot this guy's a a you know rising star with university of texas they have no idea all the the adversity you've gone through and all the trials and tribulation and like the hours spent the 3 a.m office working you know like they don't understand that side of you so I think it's just important to like, you know, before you, you know, kind of write the book on somebody, you better make sure you know who they are. No doubt. You know, and we all, and,
0: and, you know, we, we all want easy answers, right? Especially on social media. It's, it's, we want everything to to come easily. Um, um, But, you know, guys like BC, man, like, man, he was kind of an older guy. You know that they got into this business and you know and had to volunteer and worked his way up and to be a director. Um, and, you know now he's at usc doing this thing and um, you know one thing i'd like to quickly touch on um, that. Um, I didn't really get a chance to talk to talk about um, earlier was I think it's easy for people to try to pigeonhole me as the Polynesian recruiter, but the reality is. Um, like here at Texas, you know, we're going to try to go after the best of the best. And if they happen to be Polynesian, then, okay, cool. That's a bonus, you know? So, but we're not intentionally um, trying to build like a Polynesian pipeline, say like BYU does or Utah does, um, because that's one of been that, that, that's been one of their um, lifelines, right? Um, and so, you know, like, I mean, I see what's out there. You know, we, we've got to read, you know, the... The, the articles and the chat boards and, and Twitter to see what's out there. I mean, I've seen uh, I've seen people, you know, just just make comments about, um, you know, me and, um, you know, not being able to sign a whole lot of Polynesians here. But the reality is like they've whether it's whether the guy is Polynesian or not, like they have to um, check a lot of the boxes for us, you know. Um, but also, too, I don't want to be pigeonholed. It's just a polynesian guy right and so like i mean a, a lot of guys i mean a lot of fans don't realize like some of the guys that i've had a hand in in recruiting you know and, and they'd probably trip out if they, if they knew exactly who they were and right. um and some of the ways that i've been able to have an impact on these guys you know um but you know we're, just, we're gonna plug away and, and see if uh you know we we can you know try to score some of those guys you know but um I'd rather hang my hat on on being an evaluator, you know, not just of film but of people, you know, and um, you know, being able to see things that maybe other people necessarily won't, you know, to and and read signs and um, and make sure that we're bringing in the the type of guys um, that we want to to build a roster with, you know. So, I mean. I don't want to be pigeonholed as a, as just a Polynesian recruiter. Cause I've, I've signed more Nigerians than I have Polynesians. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And there are way more Nigerians in this country than Polynesians, you know, so. Uh, um, but yeah, everybody wants the easy answers. You know what I mean? And, you know, especially when, you know, you're, you know, like, like yourself, you know, you get up to a director gig, um, you know, people want to learn your, your story and they want to try to um, mimic that as, as fast as they can, but, you know, man, they need to realize, man, there's a, there's a grind that, that precedes all that, you know, and, and especially in this business, um, you know, some people are able to fast track it, but sometimes those guys get caught at some point, you know, whereas, you know, someone like yourself who, you know, did the whole volunteer thing. and. know, slowly moved up and, you know, earned trust from the right people and and kept trust from the right people. You know what I mean? I I think those guys, guys like yourself tend to have more longevity because um, you can hang your hat on yourself and not a logo, you know, something that we talked about before, you know, Um, but yeah, man, the the guys who want to fast track and want easy answers. Yeah. Good luck, bro.
1: Dude, I, I think we could talk for like three hours. Yeah, um, This is really, really fun. Uh, it was an absolute blast having you on. Where can our listeners find and follow you on, on social media? Like what are your, what are your handles? Uh, I think it's Jake Longy, J A K E L A N G I. Th- I
0: think it's the same um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all lowercase, all one word.
1: I realized like five minutes into our conversation that I had been <clears throat> mispronouncing your last name for the entire time that I've been <laughs> Does um, everybody yeah. call you Langy? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's normal, you know what yeah. I mean? But, so um, so is it is it Matt Langy, and that's how his name's pronounced, and no, yours his, is his, Jake Longy? His is Matt Lang. Got it, so he yeah. probably gets his mispronounced too. Yeah, yeah, he gets his mispronounced too, all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, wow. yeah. Well, um, this is the calm before the storm. We got fall camp right around the corner, right. and uh, best of luck uh we will be in touch and yeah. i will see you in austin week two of the season bud
0: well nice yeah no doubt no doubt hey before
1: you let me go alex
0: man I just want to thank you for having me on you know i um, been a big fan of yours for for a long time and you know me i don't know if you remember but you know we connected and and i remember you calling me asking me about a volunteer recruiting gig that you were offered right yep and, and you were like but they wanted me to work for free is, is that normal Right. And so, and we, so we had talked about it, you know, and we've kept in touch and to, to see you, um, you know, bust your tail in this business, um, and to, to see you earn trust, right. And, and find success in your life and to be self-made, you know what I mean? Um, but, and at the same time, um, being able to showcase others, like, you know, in something like this and to treat others with respect, yeah, man. Nothing but respect for you, man. You know, uh, I've, I've been able to witness, you know, you grow up in this business and, um, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, whenever people talk about rising stars, you're one of the first names that I bring up. You know what I mean? Because because you've done it the right way. And you started out with nothing, you know, volunteering, you know, getting a, getting a stipend, you know, under Coach Herman, um, yep. taking, taking over when May left, right? And and um, you know, and closing out that signing class and getting promotions, and then you know, you know, you know running your own gig at Rice. Um, but you know, you also reaching out and figuring out ways to to serve people in our business. You know, like now, yeah, big respect for you, man. I appreciate it.
1: I appreciate yeah. it. I will always have a bunch of respect for for people like you that that do it the right way, and um, I look up to you a lot as well. So we will definitely have to get you back on. And um, we'll be in touch, buddy. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate it, Alex. See you, Jake. Yep.